Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app slash breadbox. O Lord my God, Thou searchest me, my heart and mind are known to Thee. Nothing is hidden from Thy eyes. Welcome you all to our Perseverance uh, family, and um, as always, let's start by praying to Mary is uh, the mother of God, the mother of the church, and the mother of each and every one of us. Thanks be to God for blessed Herman the Cripple, right? He, she's also our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Prayer that she loves most is the Hail Mary. Probably better the Rosary, too. There's 50 times. Huh? So let's say the Hail Mary and uh, start our, our conversation with Mary's presence. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. It's very consoling to know that we have our spiritual director with us. That's the Holy Spirit. We're in good company. Yes. Among the many titles, he is the paraclete. In the mystery of the Trinity, he's a third person. He's a bond of love between the Father and the Son. He's also known as the Consoler, to pick us up out of our desolation, right? Yes. Our Consoler. He's also known as the Interior Master. We're not a praise we ought, but good news. The Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so we can say, Abba, Father. So let's invite the Holy Spirit to give us a lot of light, a lot of joy, and a lot of love as we sing. Spirit of the living God, all afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill 
Use me, Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on me. No, in us. Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the Living God, Fall afresh on us, melt us, mold us, fill us, use us, Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on us, fall afresh on us. Fall afresh on us. O Lady Guadalupe. Pray for us. Saint Joseph. Pray for us. Father Terry. Pray for us. Saint Michael. Pray for us. Saint Raphael. Pray for us. Saint Gabriel. Pray for us. Saint Ignatius. Pray for us. Saint Faustina. Pray for us. Saint Francis Xavier. Pray for us. All God's angels and saints. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as always, you got a pretty busy morning and a lot to cover. So among the many items on our list, where are we going to start off, Mary? Could you give us a brief summary of the season of Advent and its real importance? Your questions are marvelous, no? Very apropos to the topic. Yes, I, I think that if we have the Advent wreath in a prominent place in our homes, that does not mean in the attic or the basement, okay? But rather, right near the kitchen table, I think that's a good place, where there's most traffic in the house, no? Make sure that none of your kids knock it over, though, especially when it's lighted, right? That's going to trigger an idea because we, we think through the use of symbols and the symbol is something that represents a, a deeper reality. For example, I would make a hand gesture to I go like this. Hey, I go like this. It's the same hand, isn't it? No. <laughs> right? Yeah. Which do you prefer? <laughs> You probably prefer this, right? Rather than uh, making a fist and <laughs> waving it at you, know? So God speaks to us through different, um, different symbols. So the Advent wreath is, uh, it's not triangular. It's a circle. Really, a circle has no beginning, nor end, does it? It's one of the attributes of God. God is eternal. He has no beginning and no end. Whereas on the timeline, we had a beginning. But at the end, we, know have, we have no end. Because we have a soul. A soul is, is given from God. That soul is going to be with God forever in heaven, we hope, right? Yes. I'm not going to say if we play our cards right, but if we live in the state of grace, right? Playing our cards right, that might, that might be bad, right? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, the circle place us in God's eternal 
now, you might say. The color is green. Green is a color of hope. And if did you read all of uh, Pope Benedict's uh, encyclicals in Spanish, Italian, and English? No? Spes Salve was uh, one of his encyclicals. Deo Caritatis, I heard, was the most, most purchased encyclical in the history of the church, that which is first one, that God is love. No? Another one, Spes Salve. I don't know if you're a Latin buff or not, but Spes Salve means that hope saves. Charity is a great virtue, but hope is saves. Hope saves. So the green color is symbolic of hope. Which I mentioned maybe a week ago, as a child, I was a poet and I didn't even know it. And I, 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 I was able to pen a little couplet when I was what, eight years old. And it was this, green is the grass on the ground, green is the money I have found. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to say, what a little materialist you are. <laughs> did your father work in Wall Street? How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> when the walls come tumbling down with the, with the wind, right? <laughs> so we have to have hope. I mean, it's not a hope so, right? But uh, in the three theological virtues, faith means believing in God, hope means trusting in God, charity means loving God. Do you like that? So we're called to have faith, hope, and charity. Now on the candle, there are, I'm sorry, on the, on the, wreath, the Advent wreath, there are four candles. And the candle has a lot of symbols. A candle or candles we light for birthday parties, right? So it means we're preparing for a birthday. The most famous birthday in the world is that of Jesus Christ. So we actually have four candles because there are four Sundays in Advent. We set up a somewhat of a, a rustic or primitive Advent wreath in our chapel. And um, the problem was the candle was so good that it was melting. Melting quicker than we wanted. So we're, help, we're hoping that that candle will last a week barely got beyond a few hours. No? <laughs> so we got another Advent wreath, which is going to last the whole time. So after one of my first Masses, I went there to blow out the candle. And even though I had pretty good lungs, it wouldn't go out. And the reason why, because it's electronic candle. <laughs> 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 there were a couple people there and they were trying to blow it out and they were looking at me like I was crazy no, <laughs> no matter it's like those trick candles you have yeah. for your birthday you try to blow them out and they don't go out <clears throat> so there are four candles because of the four Sundays we have in Advent they're different colors one color is, as you say in New York, purple, or purple, okay? Three purple and one pink. 
Purple is a color that points to penance. Penance and change. So when I'm hearing confessions, I put the purple stole on. Happens at times because I tend to forget certain things. We all have our memories that are um, sometimes on the blink, right? As we hit 50 or older, right? Hello? <laughs> and it's called the stole. I said, who stole my stole? <laughs> oh, Father, it's in the chapel. Oh, thank you. So that, that color, purple, means change, conversion. But pink is a color of joy. They're all wearing these these t-shirts today that says pink, even though it's polka dot, no? <laughs> pink is joy, and we, we're going to be lighting that the third week. I've often thought, why don't they light the fourth week? And the thought is that I think the church wants us to be joyful as much as possible. Uh, yeah, you know, give another week and a half. So we can keep rejoicing that our Lord is about to be born. And you mothers, you remember when you were about to have your child, probably a little bit afraid about, you know, the, the pain. It's baby can come out head or sideways or I don't know. <laughs> there might be a little bit of fear, no? And once the baby's born, you can't you forget about why head first rather than sideways, no? <laughs> And you're rejoicing. Well, that's the purpose of Advent, is we're with the Blessed Mother awaiting this wonderful day in which Jesus is born. And his name is Jesus. And you know what that means? It means Savior. He saved us from so many negative things, from sin and sadness and slavery and the devil and even hell. So this is a season of great, uh, of great joy, a joy in which uh, Jesus comes to save us, and he comes to open up the gates of heaven for us. I've often thought you see, sometimes you see the child with the arms, his arms open like this, and you see him on the cross with his arms even wider open, right? He's opening up the gates of heaven to us. But even now, while we live, Jesus is saying this, come to me, all of you are weary and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I'm meek and humble of heart. You'll find rest for your souls, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So even now, our Lord inviting us to go and to find refuge in his arms and in his heart. Amen? Amen. So that's a, uh, an intro to this very important season. Uh, so there is... Um, the following question, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Father, a novena. What is a novena, and what novena can we start today? Your questions are getting better and better. I think you're just warming up. No, they're very good questions. Novena, you are experts in Espanol. You say novena, right? Spelled the same way. It means nine. Nine. The first novena in the church was a very powerful novena. Kind of like last night. 
and the awning's flown off because it's about 12, 12 midnight. The awnings actually were blown off because of a very, very powerful gust of wind. Well, Pentecost, something like that happened. The Holy Spirit came in a powerful wind and fire. And the tongues of fire settled upon the heads of the apostles and Mary, and they were transformed into valiant soldiers of Christ. So that was the first novena. And since church has had the habit of um, making novenas, one of the purposes of novena is to help our, our, our trust and our devotion to grow in that person we're praying to. So this novena we're going to be starting today at the end of our conversation. Today is December 3rd, right? Count nine days, and we got December 12th, which is the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe. <laughs> Excuse me. Feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So we start today. Today we can make our novena to Our Lady of Guadalupe. In perfect timing, because we're going to be consecrating a lot of people on that day, aren't we? It'll be a Saturday, a very beautiful day in which we're going to be consecrating not only moms and dads, but children and the whole family, because the family that stays to, prays together stays together. Now, I think I mentioned this, could have been yesterday, that St. Faustina would make novenas, especially in honor of the Blessed Mother. Novenas, novenas for the Assumption as well as the Immaculate Conception. She would pray for nine days, every day for nine days, a thousand Hail Marys. So people that are maybe tooting their horns for praying four or five rosaries, you know, pretty good, but it's kind of embarrassing, right? <laughs> people, I get my four, my five rosaries in, well... <laughs> They say, don't compare yourself to others, right? <laughs> yes, yes. I keep up with your rosaries. But Mary never gets tired of hearing, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary. Never gets tired. This is a new moment of time and it's an expression of love, right? Yes, Father. Mary never gets tired of hearing those beautiful words, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary. So, uh, you can make your novena with us we'll say an introductory prayer and a prayer for the day, right? Yes. So, and I would invite all of you to um, make three intentions. Maybe intention for the country, maybe one for your family, another one, a personal intention. Good idea? Yes. Yeah, make three intentions. And uh, I would say not to, not to expect the Blessed Mother to answer it exactly the way that you expect. Because that's not the way God works. We conjure up a certain way that things should be done and our perspective is not the same as that of God's, is it? Yeah. Nor the Blessed Mother's. On a good day, with a lot of, without a lot of smog, we can maybe see from A to C, 
God on the most stormy of days can see A to Z even beyond that. Got that? He sees the whole picture. We see the picture without our glasses on because we're, we're, we're nearsighted in a very blurry fashion. So uh, not to him. It's like those people that make the Divina St. Jude. Okay, Nine days the Divina St. Jude. St. Jude, cough it up. I went to the casino nine days in a row. I haven't won yet. This is the ninth day. This better be a biggie. <laughs> and if I win, I'll give 99 cents to St. Peter Chanel Parish. <laughs> you know, the ninth day you lose, no? Because it, it might not be God's will that you win the casino. You know why? Because if you make a lot of money, you may give 99 cents to St. Peter Chanel Parish. But the other $100,000, maybe you're using to support Planned Parenthood, right? That's right. Got it? Yes. So we have a, we have a very limited perspective of, uh, of reality. God sees the whole picture. It's like we see the tapestry backwards. Yes. Where God sees the totality of the tapestry. Not only the design, but also the different colors. So that's uh, an invitation for us to go back. We have to we have to re recover our um, our good Catholic traditions, don't we? You ask the younger generation, Novena, is that a new beer? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd probably say that. No. <laughs> like you ask the younger generation today. A teenager, somebody asked him, did you ever hear of Paul McCartney? Paul McCartney. Was that Adolf Hitler's younger brother? No! <laughs> <laughs> you would think that the younger generation will know who Paul McCartney is, right? Okay. So, we're here to learn, right? Yes. Not so much about Paul McCartney or Adolf Hitler, but about God, right? Yes. So let's, uh, we can start in the vineyard today. What do you think? Sounds good. All oh, right. So um, we are into the third question of the day, which I think you're going to like very much. Yes, Father. Is there a saint that the church celebrates today? And what can be said about the saint? There is a saint today. And it's um, a great saint. Father, you always say that. Well, they all are great saints, right? Yes. <laughs> He is, um, his name is uh, St. Francis Xavier, St. Francis Xavier. And um, in a certain sense, uh, those who are Mexican or Mexican origin, you really wouldn't have your faith if it weren't for the Spanish people that evangelized, right? And the reason why you speak Spanish is because of the Spaniards that came to Mexico, Mexico and the language became the predominant language. That's why we speak English here, because the English came from the continent, and that's the language that became part and parcel of our country. <clears throat> Francis Xavier, uh, he was born in the year 1506. 
He was born in Navarre. Uh, he was uh, the last child of a family, I think it was seven, six siblings he had. But he was born much later than the others. His mother died when he was pretty young. He was brought up uh, in a noble family. And uh, as a child, <clears throat> he was tutored because his parents, well, his parents' mother died, wanted him to have a good education. He had a lot of talents. And um, he was sent to what would have been one of the most prestigious universities in the world back then. In that university is the University of Paris, where Thomas Aquinas had taught years or years earlier. <clears throat> He's very gifted. Uh, in a certain sense, uh, he had he had a lot of talents. He had intellectual talents. He was a born leader. People liked him. He was an athlete. Here living today, he would probably make the Olympic Games in what is called the high jump. The high jump. He was uh, gifted. He had linguistic skills. He learned languages. He was an expert in philosophy. So, a lot of talents. A lot of talents. As is common today, when he was at the University of Paris, he had to share a room. And nothing happens by chance. He was sharing a room with two men that were very different than him. One student that was much older than him, had him up by more than 10 years. Then there was another one of French origin. His name was Pierre Favre. So they were th the three of them were together. Ignatius was there, Pierre Favre and Francis Xavier. Ignatius had already gone through a conversion in Pamplona. And his conversion was, was authentic. And God gave Ignatius in the cave of, rather, yeah, in the cave of Manresa, the, the spiritual exercise, the blueprint for the spiritual exercises. So he was given the spiritual exercises and their radical conversions. Favre that was struggling a lot, especially through scruples, went through the exercises, was healed of the scruples and became one of the greatest experts in giving the exercises. Whereas Francis Xavier, <coughs> he um, got his doctorate in philosophy, uh, was teaching, and uh, just a, a brilliant young man. And he wanted, um, basically he wanted 
fame, power, and money. Yeah. He wanted to be famous. He wanted to use his power. And he, he wanted, a, he wanted a money. And living with Ignatius, at first he didn't like Ignatius. He's kind of weird. He walked with a limp. He's an older man, somewhat eccentric. Seemed to be kind of a fanatic. You know, uh, St. Spanish Chief Laudo, a little bit crazy, you know. And Ignatius wanted him to do the exercises. And Francis Xavier rebuffed him. I don't want to do these exercises. So Ignatius relied upon God's grace. And a key biblical passage. Do you know that biblical passage is a very important biblical passage? What is it, Mary? What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lost his immortal soul? You say that again? What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world but lost his immortal soul? Yes. So Ignatius would go after Savior and repeat that phrase. And um, kind of like osmosis, it started penetrated, penetrating the whole person of Francis Xavier. So finally, he capitulates. What do you want me to do? Well, I'd like to work with you for a month. Well, let God work with you for a month. So Ignatius Loyola gave Francis Xavier the spiritual exercises. Easier said than done. Because this man, with all these talents, there was a lot of, a lot of pride, a lot of ambition, a lot of vanity, a lot of uh, stubbornness. This is called the effects of original sin, right? But Nasus was thinking, if we can channel this energy into serving God, what's going to happen? See, all these talents... Savior wanted to use them for vanity and for self-love. Ignatius says, if we can channel these in the right direction, something can happen. Not something, but a lot. So he got through the exercises. And afterward, Ignatius said, this was the hardest nut to crack. Having read his life of Xavier years ago, um, Ignatius, as part of his penance, had him wrap ropes around his legs. And actually, the rope started to, to, to grow within his legs, which could be dangerous, right? <laughs> In grand ropes. <laughs> and that was to make up for the vanity of him running and winning these races and to, to, to repair for his vanity and pride. It's interesting, those who love Ignatius loved most, he was toughest with. Yeah. Because he could see, if this man is converted... And he can repair for sins. He's going to be able to do so much good. So after he finishes the exercises, Savior is converted. If you ever notice in our spiritual exercises program, people that come and say that the exercises have helped them out? Yes, sir. Often? They come 
often and they say it changed their lives and most people going through have that experience. Deep conversion? Deep conversion, Father. Not just one person? Not just one person. Most people that go through the exercises experience deep conversion. Yesterday we were speaking about vocations and a lot of the vocations there of the Oblates, they've gone through the, the exercises program. Yes, Jorge Sanchez, right? Yes. Steve Darian, who's with us now. Yes. Miko. Um, they've gone through it and through the silence and meditation and prayer and spirit and spiritual direction, they recognize their calling. Yes. Therefore, we might even say this, that if Francis Xavier had never met Ignatius and done the spiritual life, he probably would have never become this great man that we're talking about. There's no question about that. He yes. would not. Yeah. So it depends upon the exercises, the direction, mm -hmm. and the deep prayer. You agree with that? Yes, yeah. he would have lived a very worldly life. That's the path he was on, and there was nothing that would have deterred him except the exercises. Great. Yes. I love this saint. Yes. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about him. I think it's worthy of talking about him also because we have an Ignatian forum uh, in which we try to bring Ignatian ideas. So he, <coughs> with Ignatius, and there are seven of them all together. They band together as a group, and the name they have is Compania de Jesus, which is the company of Jesus. We call them the Jesuits. So the Holy Father gives them approval. The first to be ordained a priest is Pierre Favre. And then St. Francis Xavier, he's ordained a priest. Ignatius is ordained a priest, and he doesn't celebrate his Mass until a year after his ordination. You know why? He spent the whole year in preparation for his first Mass. So we'll see him in liturgical garb, Ignatius. Is the Mass important? Yes, Father. Should we prepare ourselves? Yes. So this fledgling new order is established, it's approved. They have vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, in obedience to whatever the Pope beckons them to do. So they end up in Rome, and uh, they're, they're doing simple things like teaching catechism to children, they're visiting the hospitals in Rome, uh, they're doing a lot of apostolic work, starting, starting with very simple things, the poor, the sick, the children, and they're doing a lot of good, a lot of good. But the Pope felt that we have to, we have to evangelize. And the center of Christianity back in the 1500s was, was Europe, right? France, Spain, Italy, uh, Germany, Austria, Belgium. That was the center. But what about the rest of the world? What about the rest of the world? Didn't Jesus say, go out to the whole world? Yes, he did. So the Pope had an idea. Why not try to evangelize the Far East? 
The Word of God had never been preached there before. So the Pope had a conversation with Ignatius and he asked, could you send someone to the Far East? Ignatius said yes. So we had two of the first men in the company <clears throat> that he said, you can, you can take them. They both got sick. So he turns to his secretary, you know, his best friend, who is? Francis Xavier. Francis Xavier, and says, will you go? He says, I will go. They became, they became after his conversion, very good friends. Such that they say that he's the co-founder of the Jesuits, Francis Xavier, the co-founder, giving him that that title. So for him to go, the best way to disembark was from Portugal, because in India the Portuguese had actually colonized parts of India. Like the English came here. And especially a place called Goa. Okay, G-O-A, Goa. Go to Goa. <laughs> go, go, go to Goa. <laughs> so um, these were the these are the last words. These are the last words that Ignatius said to Francis Xavier. Go set all on fire. Go set all on fire. Wow. Come to cast fire on the earth. I'm not at peace until that fire being kindled. Go set all on fire. Now I just think when I was meditating this morning, I think we have to do the same thing in LA, don't we? Go set all on fire. Even though there's this pandemic, let's pray for the grace to see how can we set all on fire. Because the Holy Spirit is fire, isn't he? Is the Holy Spirit suffering from inertia? Is he stultified? Yeah. Stagnant? Yeah. Is he dormant? No. We are, right? Yes. Holy Spirit is always active. He'll work as hard as you want him to work. We have to be open. So that, those were the last words that Francis Xavier heard from Ignatius until they met in heaven. He's never going to see his friend again. Xavier can write some beautiful letters. And uh, do you think they could maybe communicate through FaceTime? No? Maybe through Zoom? Zoom. How about Skype? No, they didn't have that back then, did they? This is what we're talking about almost 500 years ago. But through letters. So go set all on fire. So he embarks from Portugal and he's off on this ship spending many months in the ship. Many months. And he gets seasick. While he's on the ship, however, he's preaching, he's teaching, he's evangelizing, even to the even to the sailors. He disembarks and he starts his mission in a place called Goa. Now, where does he go? 
he finds domicile in um, in basically living with the poorest of the poor, with the poorest of the poor. Given that his ability to learn was incredible, he was able to pick up languages quickly with the help of the Holy Spirit. So what did he do? He would visit the sick. He would visit the poor. He needed a very special love for a group of people. Know who they were? The lepers. I thought that would surprise you. That surprised me. So the lepers, like St. Francis, right? St. Francis of Assisi, right? Very special love for the lepers. Most people are afraid of lepers, right? That was his kind of his weak point. Now, he was known as the priest with the bell. He understood that faith comes through hearing. As Paul says, woe to me if I don't preach the word of God. So what he did was, he started to evangelize the poor, but especially the children. And he'd ring the bell, and these throngs of children would come, kind of like a John Bosco. Yes. And he would teach them the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, the Creed, the Ten Commandments, the basic prayers, and the basic catechism. Very creative. And he did this. The children like to sing. You bet, I bet you, yeah, the children like to sing, don't they? Yes, they do. So he would actually put the catechism in a very simple rhythm like this. Why are we created? We are created to know God, love God, serve God in this life so as to be happy with Him in heaven. Like that? Yes. So he would take the basics and he would put it into a very simple melody and rhyme and the children would be listening to this. Why are we created? We are created to know God, to love God, to serve God in this life, so as to be happy with Him forever and heaven. Got it? Yes. And the children would be listening to this. They'd be memorizing it. And they'd go home. And they'd be singing this to their parents. So the children would be evangelizing their parents. What do you think about that? Oh, that's genius. <laughs> Wasn't it? Yes. So Francis Xavier was, he was brilliant, he was creative, he took initiative. One of his problems though, there was a, there was, there was a lot of corruption among the Portuguese um, evangelizers or, or, or colonists. And he had to fight against that. And they were Catholics, but not too well educated, not very moral, to, to say the least. He walked 
hundreds and hundreds of miles. And you read in the Office of Readings, after he would teach and preach, Jesus said this, Go out to all nations. Teach them all that I taught you. And then he says, Jesus says, and then baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the world. So he would be baptizing. And he'd be baptizing so many that at the end of the day, he could, he could barely lift up his arm. Baptized thousands. It's one man. If you've ever done the Office of Readings, the Office of Readings for his feast day today is very moving. And I'll try to, get, I'll try to give you a summary of it. He's writing this letter from India to Ignatius. And he's saying that I've arrived here and ever since I arrived here I've not stopped. I'm working so hard. I'm preaching, I'm teaching, I'm teaching them that Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Creed, the Sacraments, the Commandments. And uh, I don't even have enough time to eat. The children will not let me go until I teach them a new prayer. And he says, among these people, they're simple, poor people, but highly intelligent. Then, from the depths of a, an almost broken heart, he says, look, there's no one to celebrate the Mass for these people. Throngs of people, no one to celebrate the Mass for these people. And almost with a justifiable anger, he says, where's those people in the universities? Would, would spend more time thinking about God than just being buried in their books, their academic learning. He goes on to, thanks be to you, a lot of these people can be sent to hell. Because no, there's, no there's no one to learn if there's no one to preach to them. So, it's a very moving reading. Yes. I invite you to read it. Yes. Meditate upon it. Yes. And he says, if you really thought about the purpose of life, which is principle and foundation, many of you would probably want to say, well, send me. Where? To India. So it's, it's, it's the, the second reading, the Office of Readings, the letter of St. Francis Xavier to Ignatius. It's a, it, it's a, it's a basically a cry from the depths of his heart for missionaries. Missionaries to preach the word of God. So he's, he's in the west, the west um, part of India and he establishes he establishes many, many churches along the uh, west part of the Indies. But his center is Goa. That was not enough. He wanted to do more. He had this Catholic heart. Catholic means universal. Yes. He wanted 
Francis Xavier, he wanted, he wanted to save the whole world for Christ. So he goes from India. He moves into Malaysia. And he's preaching the word of God there. Now he has another idea. Why not Japan? Japan is a, it's a huge country. And uh, no Catholics there. So he gets into Japan. Now how he's able to get into these, these countries, he was given the uh, privilege of being the, the diplomat from Rome. So he was given the official governmental authority to, to work as um, a diplomat from Europe, as well as a priest. He gets into Japan and uh, he, he learns the basics of the language. So he's speaking, he's speaking the language of the people in India. I mean, he learns the basics of the language. What a gift. Yes. Now, listen to this. With the people in India, he lived among the outcasts. He lived among the poorest of the poor. He loved the poor, the sick, the lepers, the outcasts, the unclean, the marginalized. And he dressed like them. But when he arrives at Japan, he can't do that. It doesn't work. The Japanese didn't want a, a guy in rags coming in, preaching to them, and uncouth, and you know, with with fleas in his hair. I mean, they they <laughs> excuse me, they didn't want that. So what he did was this: he became very polished, very debonair. Mm -hmm. He got the the royal garments of the diplomat, very polished, to be able to speak to the emperor. What does that say? St. Paul says, I become all things to all men so as to win as many as possible for Christ. Like yes. that? Yes. I become all things to all men so as to win as many souls for Christ. It's called the spirit, the spirit of adaptability. Yes. The spirit of accommodation. It's also called the evangelization of culture. Yes. In other words, he was not going to impose the Spanish, the European culture on the Indians or the Japanese. No. It wouldn't work. No. But rather to take the cultural elements of that society, to purify it and to Christianize it. Beautiful. Taking the cultural traits, not to discard it, that wouldn't work. But rather to take those cultural traits and imbue them with the Spirit of Christ. It's beautiful. It is, isn't it? It is. So in Japan, he's, 
he learns the language enough so that he can preach, he can teach, he can baptize. And now, many of the Japanese are converted. This is basically one man. What would happen if everyone in our Facebook Perse Perseverance family became a Francis Xavier? A lot would happen, right? A lot would happen. We're all given tools and gifts. I think he's a beautiful figure for Advent. Yes. Because we're called to go out of ourselves and to bring Christ to others. We're called not to be egotistic, but we're called to be charitable. Yes. We're called to give more than always wanting to receive. As Paul says, there's more joy in giving than receiving. Yes. I, uh, I was watching a, a cartoon movie yesterday. And um, it's a nice little story. I think you'll like it. When he was traveling in, uh, in the ship, I think he was probably traveling to Japan, he had a cross. And it was very... Um, it was very windy. So the cross that he had fell out of his hand into the water. And he wanted to get that cross because that was the cross he brought from Spain and it was uh, something dear to him. But the crew said, you can't, you can't get it because it's, it's there. So he really suffered because he didn't have the cross. You see Francis Xavier preaching with a cross. So I guess he prayed that God would recover it. So he makes it to the shore. And what happens is this crab crawls out of the water with a cross in his mouth. <laughs> I never heard that story before. Wow. Well, you know, God can use even crabs. We shouldn't be crabby, should we? No. <laughs> crabs, he brought him his cross. <laughs> Don't be crabby today, no. <laughs> now, at the end of his work, well, he, he didn't end his work in Japan, but he planted the seed of Catholicism in India, in Goa, in Malaysia, in other, other towns. He's, he's establishing centers and building churches, then setting up catechetical centers then a priest would come and they'd be able to work on it. So he's, he's basically throwing out the seed and he's planting and planting and planting and watering and then others are going to have to build upon it. But he had an idea. Okay, we've made some progress in Japan. What about China? China is older than Japan. And the Japanese, they look up to Chinese as an older, older uh, culture, older traditions. So Ignatius, or rather Francis Avery, had this idea. I've got to go to China. I've got to convert the Chinese. So he's heading toward China, and he arrives on an island in which he could see mainline China, 
mainland China, called Sun Chang. And while he's there, he gets very sick, high fever. And there's, he's almost by himself, there's a very poor uh, fisherman that, that drags him into his hut. And there he is, he dies all alone. Having this great desire to, to convert the Chinese, if I convert the Chinese, it'll be the domino effect, the Japanese. But he dies. He was only 46 years old. How long had he been doing missionary work? 10, 11 years. And according to many, they say he was probably the greatest missionary after St. Paul. His body was transferred to various places. Now it's in Goa. His arm is actually in Italy. Two different places. His arm it baptized so many that in the, I think it's the Church of Jesu in Rome, they have his arm. What one man can do. And this came about through his contact with St. Ignatius Loyola. Right? Yes. Contact with St. Ignatius Loyola and his initial resistance, he did not want to follow the indications of St. Ignatius. But what, what was the biblical verse? What would profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his soul. What can you exchange for your soul? So Ignatius kept repeating that biblical verse. What would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Francis Xavier made the exercises, which is the charism of the oblates. For those who are with you who are with us in our Perseverance family, Ignatian form, constantly trying to educate you, to form you in the Ignatian charism of learning the art of meditation, contemplation, your daily exam, and making your general confession. I think it's life transforming. Yes, it is. What do you think? Yes, it is. Life transforming. And those words, those words that St. Ignatius said to Francis Xavier, I think he's saying to you and to me, those words were, go set all on fire. The harvest is rich, but the laborers are very few. You're called to work in the harvest. You're called to drop the nets for an abundant catch of fish. Right? Yes, Father. So Mary is known as the star of the new evangelization. Yes, she is. So can we start in Novena now? Yes, Father. So we're going to start in Novena now. There's going to be the intro prayer and the daily prayer. So together, 
O Virgin of Guadalupe, you want to remain with us through your admirable image. You are Mother and and our life. Placing ourselves beneath your maternal gaze, having recourse to you in all our necessities, we didn't do nothing more. Daily prayer. Dearest Lady Guadalupe, faithful Mother of Holiness, teach me your ways of gentleness and strength. Hear my humble prayer offered with heartfelt confidence to beg this favor. The Lord be with you. Through the intercession of Saint Francis Xavier, Saint Ignatius of Loyola, all God's angels and saints, Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code BREADBOX at checkout for 20% off at catholicsingles.com.